When you think about carbon sequestration through nature-based solutions, not only they are three to four times cheaper than technological removals, but also they provide significant co-benefits such as biodiversity, water security, uh, the socioeconomic development in frontier regions. So in sum, this is a great opportunity for Brazil to lead on this market, but we need to position ourselves to do so. Carbon markets themselves, they play a crucial role in enabling deep decarbonization and achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement. It will be virtually impossible or it will be incredibly more costly without them. And Brazil can and should be really a significant player in this. Bem-vindas e bem-vindos. Eu sou a Mariana Almeida e este é o McKinsey Talks, direto do estúdio da McKinsey em São Paulo. E hoje é um dia especial, porque estamos comemorando a marca de 100 episódios do nosso programa. E o tema de hoje é mercados voluntários de carbono, como o Brasil pode contribuir com a descarbonização do mundo. Este episódio é o terceiro da série Sustentabilidade e a Nova Economia Verde. O mercado voluntário de carbono, ou VCM, na sigla em inglês, é um mercado onde as empresas buscam créditos de carbono para cumprir parte de seus compromissos com o clima, como serem neutras em carbono. E alguns indivíduos também compensam suas emissões. Os créditos do mercado voluntário são emitidos por certificadores reconhecidos pela indústria para financiar projetos de compensação de carbono seguindo requisitos estritos. Neste mercado global, que deve movimentar de 50 a 100 bilhões de dólares até 2030, o Brasil tem um enorme potencial, pois concentra 15% da oferta de soluções naturais. Apenas a Indonésia tem um potencial comparável ao nosso. Mas o Brasil tem muitas vantagens e pode liderar a agenda voluntária do mercado de carbono. Para viabilizar este potencial, será necessário um grande trabalho conjunto abordando desde as lacunas regulatórias até a adequação de metodologias ao contexto do país. O Brasil tem só três meses para elaborar uma proposta plausível e apresentá-la na COP27. E para falar sobre este tema, temos aqui conosco dois sócios da McKinsey que são líderes globais da Iniciativa de Mercado de Carbono no Mundo. Christopher Blaufalder, que é sócio em Zurich, e Thomas Canse, sócio em Londres. Por isso, a nossa conversa hoje será em inglês. Welcome, Christopher. Welcome, Thomas. It's such a pleasure to have you here today with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Great. E também aqui do meu lado, no estúdio, está o Henrique Ceoto, sócio da McKinsey em Belo Horizonte e líder da prática de sustentabilidade no Brasil. Olá, Henrique. Bem-vindo novamente aqui com a gente no McKinsey Talks. Oi, Mariana. Obrigado por me ter novamente. É um prazer. So let's get started. My first question goes to Thomas. What is exactly a voluntary carbon market and how is it different from a regulated market? Thank you, Mariana. And it's an important distinction. In short, a regulated or compliance market has a regulator impose carbon regulation onto companies in the jurisdiction. In contrast, a voluntary market, as the name says, is based on the voluntary action of companies to compensate or neutralize their emissions and therefore contribute to mitigating climate change. So regulated compliance markets, and these are really the largest markets today, 
um, with emissions trading systems in many jurisdictions, including California, the EU, and China. In this compliance market, the regulator determines the total emissions allowed by the covered companies and sectors, called the cap, and this cap reduces over time. Then the regulator either auctions or freely allocates, and in practice, often both, allowances. And allowances are the right to emit a ton of CO2 equivalent. Now, this card sounds really complicated, but basically what this is, is a cap for all of the sectors, and then allows the covered companies to trade their allowances with each other to, at least in theory, find the most efficient way to reduce emissions um, under the cap. Now, this is very different from the voluntary carbon markets. In the voluntary carbon markets, companies can opt to compensate and to neutralize their emissions using either avoidance and reduction credits or removal credits, respectively. Now, these carbon credits, they come from projects that produce real, additional, and verified emission reductions. And these real, additional, and verified emission reductions come from a variety of sectors. Today, mostly from forestry and nature. So something very important um, for Brazil, and as you mentioned in the introduction, a huge potential as well. And these credits are based on carbon credit methodologies and standards, such as um, VERA's voluntary carbon standard and gold standard. These institutes all, um, authorize the creation and afterwards the trade and the retirement of these carbon credits. And this is all a voluntary action by companies to contribute to global emission reduction efforts. Now, both markets work in tandem pretty much by both being able to extend the scope of carbon pricing, as well as preparing some of the markets from the voluntary side in the beginning to afterwards be incorporated in a compliance market. So, Enrique, this uh, following question goes to you, okay? So, why is this market so important and what could be the Brazilian role? First and foremost, it's unlikely that the world will be able to decarbonize without Brazil. Not only Brazil is one of the largest emitters of greenhouse gas, but also Brazil, as you mentioned, Mariana, has the largest carbon capture opportunity throughout natural climate solutions together with Indonesia. Depending on the scenario, um, the world will need between 5 and 11 gigatons of carbon sequestration by 2050 if we are to fulfill the 1.5 uh, pathway defined in the Paris Agreement that we will later explain a bit more about. Um, and when you think about carbon sequestration through nature-based solutions, not only they are three to four times cheaper than technological removals, but also they provide significant co-benefits such as biodiversity, water security, uh, the socioeconomic development in frontier regions. So in sum, this is a great opportunity for Brazil to lead on this market, but we need to position ourselves to do so. So Christopher, you have led McKinsey's support on the task force for scaling voluntary carbon markets, which involves more than 450 individuals from private sector companies, NGOs, environment experts, and indigenous people. We see organizations and companies all over the world that are increasingly committing to more ambitious sustainability targets. How do you expect companies to evolve by 2030 and what is the role of voluntary carbon markets in this scenario? Yeah, thanks, Mariana. Important question. I'm, what, what matters from a climate perspective is to ensure that the world remains on track towards a 1.5 degree Paris aligned pathway and that companies across the world decarbonize their value chains across scope one, two and three. Now, against this backdrop, companies indeed, as you say, are increasingly committing to net zero pathways, many by 2050, some even earlier. 
Some companies also commit to becoming carbon neutral. Now, for voluntary carbon markets, this means that demand for carbon removals is bound to strongly increase as net zero commitments require sequestration of unabated emissions by removing them permanently from the atmosphere. However, this is likely not enough from a climate perspective, in particular given that the world is currently not on track to remain on the 1.5 degree pathway. Hence, emissions also need to be avoided and reduced along the pathway towards net zero. And this is where the voluntary carbon markets can also contribute to compensate emissions as the world moves towards net zero, not just at the endpoint. Above all, it's critical to ensure the integrity of voluntary carbon markets, of course, across supply, demand, and intermediation. Perfect. Thank you very much. So I would like to hear from Enrique now. In this scenario pictured by Christopher, we'll see increasing demand for voluntary carbon credits. Brazil may have a central role in this market since the country has 15% of global potential nature-based credits. In your view, Enrique, how Brazil can actually be a protagonist? First, the size of Brazil is very relevant. Brazil can issue about 1.9 gigatons per year of uh, carbon credits, voluntary carbon credits, out of which 80% of that is um, sequestration credits, so through afforestation and reforestation. And this is mainly focused, and this is important, on restoring degraded pasture land. So this does not create any stress on the food systems. Um, so we can do that in a very sustainable way, not only guaranteeing the credits, but also the food, um, the food value chains. Okay? Um, all, the second point is that these credits are of high quality credits, and they also, and they, but they are also very low cost. The activation cost for Brazil is very low, and it brings significant co-benefits, as we mentioned, like biodiversity, water security, etc. Um, but unfortunately, the fact is that Brazil is not taking the lead on these discussions. There's little representation in the international discussions, be it uh, Chapter 6, be it SBTI. Um, and if we are to actually enable this market and be a protagonist, not only helping the decarbonization of our country, but also of the world, we need to be much more proactive in engaging on those discussions and much more coordinating into actually shaping the unlocking and the scaling of this market. Great. So very interesting to know that Brazil has space to be a protagonist in this scenario. Thank you. So, Thomas, you are engaged in discussions for the setup of both the regulated and voluntary carbon markets in Brazil. What are the opportunities and challenges that our country faces to develop both of them? Thanks, Mariana. Um, yes, there's um, three very specific Brazil challenges and one global one, which I think Brazil also has an opportunity to actually set a standard. Uh, but first, the, for the three challenges, the, the first one is the regulatory gaps that still are there for project to enable project development. So when we think about land ownership processes, for example, very important to clarify this before many of the nature-based solutions can be developed. Um, the second part is, is an improvement needed of the international credibility for current projects. And that's in part due to uh, previously weak verification mechanisms and the potential for carbon leakage. So this needs an independent governance body to assure market integrity, um, building on uh, the latest technologies for verification processes. 
Um, the third one, there is still a lack of right methodologies um, covering the Brazilian context, for example, for um, root carbon. So again, it, it's by itself an opportunity afterwards to help develop and tailor methodologies for tropical forest uh, countries. And the last challenge itself is a, is a lack of standard contracts. As Enrique said, it would be fantastic to be able to procure nature-based carbon removals in a standard contract, in a very standardized um, um, quality assurance, um, so that companies can um, credibly have net zero commitments based on this. And the four opportunities that this really unlocks is, as Enrico already said, the, the many intrinsic advantages that Brazil has, the huge nature-based um, solutions potential at competitive price points and with attractive co-benefits, um, especially when it comes to biodiversity, but also local employment. Um, the second big opportunity here is to be able to reduce emissions of agricultural products and um, feed this through into exports of agricultural products. So really greening supply chains or agricultural supply chains. Um, the third one is uh, Brazil already has a big experience in industry in industrializing forestry. Now this is about industrializing re and afforestation as well. So this becomes also um, a technology slash experience hub um, globally afterwards. Um, and last but not least, um, the voluntary carbon markets and the opportunities here are um, about creating the right incentives for decarbonization. This is not only to be able to go um, carbon neutral on the way to net zero, but also to help afterwards with um, the Brazilian uh, compliance carbon market, where the recent decree suggests that the small part of emissions could be offset within the voluntary carbon market afterwards. So overall, as you can see, there's, there's some challenges which have solutions attached to this um, and many more opportunities afterwards. Yeah, that's great to know that we have many opportunities as Seoto said, also to be a protagonist in this scenario. Very good. So Christopher, what are the key elements the Global Task Force covered that could also be applied in Brazil to support the development and scale of the country's voluntary carbon market? Yeah, indeed. I mean, the uh, Global uh, TSBCM has been focusing on uh, finding the key pay points currently present in uh, voluntary markets and uh, determining solutions for them. And one key challenge indeed is uh, supply side integrity, uh, which we focused on relentlessly as part of the global task force. And we even set up a new international governance body, the Integrity Council for uh, Voluntary Carbon Markets to deal with this issue. Now for Brazil, striving for high quality and integrity standards will also be quite critical in its efforts to build a Brazilian voluntary carbon market. Credits have to be financially additional, permanently evade emissions, avoid leakage, and have positive environmental, social, and also economic co-benefits. It will also be important for Brazil to ensure broad community engagement with uh, civil society and indigenous people and environmental experts, in addition to, of course, uh, the engagement with private sector companies. Uh, Brazil may also wish to strive for a leadership role in applying uh, modern digital technology to actually make uh, currently lengthy and in somewhat, in some sense, opaque processes in voluntary carbon markets more efficient and also more transparent. And through that, become a leader in itself in uh, these new technologies. And ultimately, the Brazilian voluntary carbon market should, of course, serve the people and our planet. Great. This is very important to serve our planet as well. So back to Thomas. Based on McKinsey's international experience in establishing many of the world's carbon markets and our recent report for the Brazilian version 
What actions are required to unlock this market? Thanks, Mariana. And great, great to see that fortunately there is already a lot of work done in Brazil, particularly on the national carbon market. So there is quite a bit of lessons learned in there. Um, in addition, for a voluntary carbon market, there are three critical areas. The first is market integrity insurance. So very much linked to the challenges I uh, previously mentioned, um, we ideally have a governance body. And the governance body is there to enhance credit quality and um, credibility of the Brazilian market internationally. That requires a strong verification mechanism, making use of new technologies such as satellite and drone technologies to better measure canopy cover as well as potential carbon leakage in forestry and better methodologies that are tailored and applicable to Brazilian projects as well as in more tropical forest countries. So really a tropicalization of methodologies. The second part is, and this is really for exchanges and other market mayors, it's a product to match buyers needs. At the moment, it is incredibly difficult to procure carbon credits and afterwards claim um, towards carbon, make claims towards carbon neutrality and net zero. So we need a product that really matches buyers' needs on their sustainability commitments, that provides the required volumes, as well as enables a forward delivery. So while people, while companies are on their sustainability journey, they feel confident that they are getting the right quality credits and the right volumes over time. And as well for suppliers, then of course, provide the incentive to supply this in the first place. And last but not least, we do need regulation especially for land use to enable um, public-private um, public partnerships and the transfers of land liability. So really to make sure that any nature-based solution which inherently requires strong land regulation is enabled by this. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. And Enrique, how can Brazilian companies take part in the voluntary carbon market? And why would that be positive for them? So. Most companies will eventually need to offset their remaining emissions, right? Um, the, to Christopher's point, the goal is to decarbonize as much as you can, reaching close to, to neutral emissions. But in practice, we know that many industries will, will have between 5 to 20% of their emissions that are very, very hard to abate. So once you reach that point or in your journey towards that point, you know, being able to offset your emissions is going to be a must. And having the, uh, the voluntary carbon markets, the access to the voluntary carbon markets will be key to be able to, reach, to, to execute those offsets, right? Um, second angle is there's, we have a lot of industries that, that hold vast, vast lands, right? And they can use those lands to actually consider issuing or creating projects to issue carbon credits, right? And they not even need to be the landowners. They can be, the landowners can be part of their supply chain, for example, the agricultural supply chain. Or um, if you think about some of the forestry uh, products like cocoa or acai, you name it. And you can think about structuring incentives and structuring process in which you can incentivize and productize the issuance of credits associated with those, those value chains and also and make sure that this goes to the market, right? So there are many ways into which companies can interact with the market as buyers or sellers and also everything in between from there and here. They can be intermediaries, they can, um, they can help develop projects, they can help their supply chain develop projects. 
the important thing is for each company to think how they want to play and how do they either create value for themselves or for the whole supply chain by doing so and drafting that strategy and start executing. Great. So it can be a win-win. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So the voluntary carbon market can reduce deforestation rates and help preserve and restore forests. How to make this impact more inclusive? Can people get involved directly from small and large rural producers to indigenous and riverside communities? How could this market improve their lives? I don't know, do you want to answer this or Christopher, Thomas? Yeah, happy to, Mariana. Um, so we strongly believe that the carbon markets, the voluntary carbon markets need to reach the individual, right? To, the reality is today is very hard for an individual to offset their emissions. It's not seamless, right? If I buy, if I, for example, if I have a, a, tr a trip, right, an airplane trip, and I want to offset those emissions, it's a very complex process to, to actually do the offsets, right? There are some solutions that are coming into the market, but still it's, it's cumbersome, right? So um, individuals need to engage, but we need to make it much more simple and seamless for them to do so, right? Uh, you mentioned uh, the rural producers or to indigenous and riverside communities. The way we see the market, right? Brazil, like I mentioned, it's 1.9 gigatons of opportunity. Um, there's out of that 1.5 is related to sequestration credits. So we're talking about mainly reforestation and afforestation. And this is close to 50, 000, 50 million hectares of forest that will need to be replanted, right? There are many ways in which those, this process will work. Of course, we're going to have the large landholders that are able to reforest uh, in similar to what we have. If we can do a um, comparison to the agricultural sector, right? We have the large properties in the Cerrado region, for example, that have uh, the very large producers. But we can also draw the same analogy. We will have co-ops, right? We will have regions in which small landholders We'll have a co-op in which to develop those credits, and they because you know individually is very hard, but as a group you can do you can have the interaction with the standards, with the governance bodies, etc. Right? We can also foresee like PPPs in which you know developers will engage with communities or with indigenous people and take the preservation or the restoration of large large areas uh, in tandem with those communities. So there will be very different ways in which people can collaborate, both offsetting their own emissions or becoming issuer of credits. And again, the important thing is to think for companies to think about how they're going to facilitate the two the two sides of the of the equation. But also, especially when we talk about communities um, on frontier regions, um, and here mainly Amazon and uh, and uh, uh, the Mata Atlantica, right? How they can engage or they they can foster PPPs in which to have uh, to collaborate with the private sector to enable the scaling of their own offsets. Unfortunately, we are reaching the end of our session. So, would you three? So, Enrique, Thomas, and Christopher, add any final remarks? Well, first of all, thanks so much for um, organizing this talk. And I mean, I, I, I think I, I really strongly believe that it's important that we all pull all the levers that we can to remain on this 1.5 degree pathway. So, you know, abate 
uh, emissions across uh, scope one, two, and three uh, in our value chains as a top priority. And uh, secondly, remove what's left uh, at the point net zero and on the way to net zero, leverage all we can to actually also compensate the emissions on the way. And I think the voluntary carbon markets can play a role in all of these uh, levers. And if Brazil can play a leading role in the world in, in, in these markets, it would be absolutely fantastic. So thanks for the invitation. You're welcome. So, Thomas? Thanks. Um, and thank you very much, Remy. I think it's a super important topic itself, and it's great to see all the movement in Brazil on this. Uh, I think carbon markets themselves, they play a crucial role in enabling deep decarbonization and achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement. It will be virtually impossible, or it will be incredibly more costly without them. And Brazil can and should be really a significant player in this. Um, there's so many benefits. It, it just absolutely makes sense to help define this market and kickstart this market. And the time is now as well for Brazil. They're ahead of COP27 in November, and for Brazil as well, to gear up to achieving 2030 commitments. Thank you. Thank you very much, Enrique. My final message would be, this is a huge opportunity for us as a country. Not only it creates a whole market, but it does so in a very sustainable way and positively impacting um, several of our most maybe challenged communities in the frontier regions, but also creating a lot of co-benefits associated with biodiversity, water security that is massively important for uh, our agricultural produ production. So this is a massive opportunity for Brazil and we really need to take a stand and lead this and be a protagonist on the shaping and the scaling of this market. Oh, great. Thank you very much. You mentioned this sustainable and inclusive growth, which is very important. Indeed. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. So thank you very much again, Christopher, Thomas and Henrique for being here today and for your insights. Muito obrigada também a você que nos acompanha em vídeo ou em podcast. Para enviar um feedback sobre este episódio, acesse a pesquisa pelo link que está aí na descrição. Para entrar em contato com os nossos especialistas, o nosso e-mail é mackenzie-talks.com. Você também pode enviar perguntas para o próximo episódio desta série. Participe! E a agenda completa do Mackenzie Talks está no mackenzietalks.com. Lá você também pode conferir este episódio e os anteriores em vídeo ou em podcast. É isso aí, muito obrigada e até a próxima! Música